Cool. <clears throat> hey, welcome everybody back to Sustainiacs. This one is called, what's it called? Stylish su sustainability. And then we're going to talk about uh, uh, the unintended consequences of some knee-jerk legislation that you would think uh, wouldn't happen, but it's kind of uh, disturbing, but a uh, little bit humorous to me is the story. I don't know if either one of you two read that story or not yet, but I thought it was. Emma? Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about it. Uh, you got you guys know me, contrary to what Michael said before, <laughs> I hope at this point. And this week, we have a really, really interesting guest that I'm so excited to talk to. So we have Elizabeth yeah. Ackman. Did I mess up your name? No, no, okay. Elizabeth Ackman. That sounds great. Don't worry, Elizabeth you're good. Ackman, um, she's from Low Tide Ocean Products. One of my favorites, um, being a Jersey girl growing up on the beach, I was very excited when I saw these products. So let's get into it. Welcome, Elizabeth. I'm very excited to talk to you today. Equally. Thank you so much, Mike and Emma, for having me on the show. Appreciate any opportunity to speak to our mission to clean the oceans. And um, as you said, Michael, do it stylishly. So uh, excited to explain everything to your viewers and your listeners to uh, understand a bit more about our Jersey brand. Yeah. So one of your slogans in there, which was cool, is like, uh, do good, look good, or look good, do good. I think it's do good, look good, right? Do good first and look good while you're doing it. But it also said something about stylish sustainability in there. So I stole that for the, uh, yeah. shamelessly stole that. But so yeah, Elizabeth, you, you've got, I, 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 um, you know, I, 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 I kind of investigated you on LinkedIn for a minute, but, um, nothing that you didn't put out there. Uh, so just looking at your background and, and just to see if there was, you know, how you came to be at low tide. So, I, and we're going to get into all of everything that low tide is doing. Cause I absolutely love it. And I've got some, some, uh, not the same product, but I've got some, uh, stuff from Pollywood. I've, you've probably heard of Pollywood out of, out of North Carolina. I've got some of their stuff in my backyard cause I interviewed them a, a few, few years ago. But so how did you, how did you go from marketing and, uh, I think university of Delaware, your women's women's golf club, I think, yes. right? or club golf, I guess is what it's called, right? You weren't a woman's golf club. You were no. a member of the women's golf club, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? You got it right. You got it right. Um, <laughs> you know, my family always uh, instilled in us to give back and to do better, to volunteer. It was very important in um, my family and our community and within our parish growing up. Um, and so when I went to University of Delaware, I was very much into volunteering. Um, you know, the golf is just something I've done since I was young. Um, my entire family has golf since we were seven. So that was just... Um, enjoyable opportunity for me to do at college um, and, you know, network. And that has carried me into, you know, boardrooms I wouldn't have entered otherwise, but because I could golf, um, they, it was an accessibility point of, of the green. And um, so, you know, I'm very thankful for that and for my father and grandfather really pushing that on me. Um, but yeah, after University of Delaware, I went into the Peace Corps for two and a half years. And I did a lot of small business nonprofit marketing for um, for associations of Pahatokia, which is woven straw. They do hats and bags and what where, have Now, you. where does that come from? Where does that come from? Peru. 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 Okay. Because I was going to say that sounds a lot. It sounds very, because I, I spent three months in, in Bolivia. I adopted a baby girl from yeah. Bolivia in 1998. My daughter, Isabel, she just graduated from UCF, by the way. Congratulations. Cool. Uh, but yeah. So yeah. And uh, Lake Titicaca, they did that as well. They, like they, they did that and they actually made platforms that they lived on. Yes. Emma. I've been there. You have you been there? I have been there. It's yeah. really crazy. Yeah. It's yeah. really and they cool. like to wear bowler hats too. 
Yes, yes. Um, so anyway, I did that. And then while I was there, one of my site mates, we call them in Peru, her father was the VP of a um, of an organization that was the largest food importer in the United States. And I took an interview overseas and they said, all right, come on up, we'll take you on. And so I actually led their marketing department for about five years. And that transitioned to um, product management, which helped me figure out product development, pricing, um, importation, um, negotiations, things like that, then that I could couple with the creative side of the marketing. And um, my brother, coincidentally, came up with this idea in 2018 of low tides because of the, um, before the real, I guess, the health pandemic, there was the pandemic of plastics in our oceans. And sure, uh, National sure. Geographic did a, a really large article. How are you guys familiar with that? Or have you seen it? I, I I did not see that particular article. I did after I read the story of low tide. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's called Planet Our Plastics, and that really um, catapulted my brother down this journey of: Is there something we can do as people that love the beach that can protect the beach? And what is one thing that everyone at the beach uses? Beach chair. Plastic. A beach chair. <laughs> well, it depends. It depends. It depends. Let's get into this. Let's get. Are you talking about shoebies or are you talking about like you know locals? No, everybody. I think uh, the okay. only people you find that uh, sit on their towels are you know a lot of times surfers maybe, but um, everyone uses beach chairs from kids to uh, you know shoebies, which is also something that you know is even people that don't live on the coast. What do they all have in their garages? You said you're from Tennessee, correct? So yes. do you have a couple beach chairs in your garage? Of course. Exactly. Yes. It's, it's a uniting product that That's is a there, massive yeah. industry, a sleeping giant that, you know, really hasn't had any um, reason to change. And so, you know, my brother, Brenton Hutchinson, he came up with this idea. And then in 2019, um, my second child was born and it was, you know, traveling got too much um with her and her schedule and then my oldest as well so i he was like you know what why don't you join me you have all the skills that can kind of make this turnkey and work with me and so it's been a great journey working with brenton uh, we get along great and um it's it's been such a passion of ours that's so cool. So you have, so your main product is beach chairs, but you do have a line of like a bunch of other stuff as well, including towels, if I'm not mistaken, right? Correct. So Brenton started with the beach chair. He has gone to all these communities to view the collection of the plastic from the beaches, shores, and bays. Um, and we expanded into other products because the goal is ocean products, low tides, ocean yeah. products, so ocean gear. The towels are my favorite thing as a mom of two, and I specifically looked up this technology that's really uh, prevalent in Europe and Australia because it's this quick dry, almost like sham wow material that's poly that um, holds twice the amount of water, dries in half the time, is sand free. And when I was gonna create a towel out of a pound of plastics, I was like, well, it needs to have some superiority to just like plush cotton yeah. towels because people are gonna yeah. be like, this isn't this doesn't feel right. So that ended up segueing me to these towels, which I really think, um, you know, my previous life was food. And I think it, it's the same in retail. We're about five to 10 years behind Europe and, and Australia in, in some regard. And I think this technology of these towels is gonna explode. And, and I'm glad that Low Tides has the forethought to 
really bring it to the market early and to people that are going to use it at the beach. So, okay. And that's what I was going to ask. So this towel isn't specifically for the beach though, right? Is, is it like a bathing towel? Is it like for, for like uh, uh, by the swimming pool and by the beach or is this a utilitarian type of towel as well? Can I use it to wash my car? Can I use it yeah, in the I kitchen? That type of stuff? You totally could. I mean, it's a utilitarian towel. Well, you said ShamWow, man. I, you no, know, sham well, wow. it's, it's how you explain it to the American um, consumer. <laughs> it's a bit, it's a bit out. Like they feel it. They're like, but it's so thin. You know, it's so light. And oh, okay, like, I got yeah. you. I got you. It's like a okay. chamois. It's like a yeah. chamois. It's like really thin, but man, it like holds like gallons of water. It's like incredible. yeah, okay. yeah. So gotcha. according to like your regular beach towel, it would hold the fluffy ones that we're all familiar with, or you know, yeah, yeah. The amount of water, so um, you can use it at the you know the pool, I, the pool, the lake, the beach, um, and your shower afterwards uh, if you if you wanted to. But um, yeah, that was that's been an, a line extension as well as Eco Gear made with Reprieve. Reprieve has been a great partner um, throughout the process to help us source uh, their fabric, which is all made out of reclaimed plastic as well. That is that is very cool. So you said that you said it now. Your your brother and he is uh, uh, what was your brother's name again? Brenton Brenton Hutchinson. Brenton Hutchinson because it's like meet Brenton and meet uh, or no no it's meet some, some uh, he's in the story there. Uh, the other one is like uh, uh, Ashley or uh, what is it? Um, uh, Me Laura Ash Laura Ashley though no Laura you, you guys, Ashley, yeah, yeah. yeah on that part of it. But no, I wanted, I wanted to ask you is your brother went and saw and, and went to see the collection of these things, right? So where are you sourcing this stuff from? And talk about that that process a little bit. I guess I guess I guess I just wanted to clarify first, like I know I know that you were saying this about the towels, but um the cool thing about low tides ocean products, I don't know if we've said this explicitly yet, but okay. these chairs, this beach gear, and these towels are made from reclaimed, recycled, upcycled ocean plastics, right? I mean, that's the whole, that's what makes them so special besides the really cool technology of the towels. Like that's what makes these chairs something that is helping save the oceans, right? Exactly. And, you know, our, our trademark slogan is sit back, save the ocean, right? So how can you sit in something and view the ocean and at the same time save it? And so all of our product line, Low Tides Ocean Products, is made with upcycled or recycled plastics. And we have various partners that we've worked with through the years. Um, right now we work with Reprieve on a lot of our fabric textiles. Our beach chairs have all Reprieve fabric, which is about you know 10 water bottles, I would say, upcycled into the fabric of the wow. chair. It's water resistant, stain resistant. We do all these coatings to make sure your beach chair lasts longer. Mm -hmm. And then the actual plastic within our chair is upcycled ocean plastics. And that comes through our ocean plastics partner, Oceanworks. And we've worked with them now for, you know, three years. And they collect uh, from Indonesia, the Yucatan Peninsula. And our first year, we were collecting from um, Haiti as well. Wow. So it really depends on when you're ordering, where their collection's coming from, and the lower carbon footprint to get it to our manufacturer. And, you know, Brenton has been to these communities to see how they're collecting it sustainably. You know, the local communities get paid as they're being collected, deposited to the plastic facility plastic facility then breaks it down. This is all on our website too at lowtidesop.com. And you can see the transparency of the pellets and then get injected into the beach chair. So you're, you, you're actually sourcing the plastics from uh, and, and then sending it to your manufacturer, right? Like drop ship to your manufacturer. 
who then is cleaning it up and then processing it and, and then uh, manufacturing whatever it is that you're going to use, the, the fabric that you're going to use within the chairs, et cetera, right? And, and, and there's different components to the chair too, right? I mean, it's not like it's, it's recycled or reclaimed uh, ocean plastic or upcycled and then the rest of it's, it is just garbage. You talked about uh, the, the fabrics that you're using, but also uh, you're using aluminum, right? So you're not using like other plastic, but you're using aluminum that can be recycled a million times, right? Yes. Yeah. We use 100% aluminum. And, you know, that's just to ensure the premium quality, the stability. Um, you know, we use stainless steel um, nuts and bolts. And that goes back to, you know, buying something of quality, the longevity of the product trying to rethink what everyone encounters at the beach, which which a rusty beach chair right. everyone does encounter. So this past year, we included an entire stainless steel on all the nuts and bolts of the chair as well. That wow. is awesome stuff. So what's the recyclability of one of your chairs? You're saying into back into the system. If you yeah, 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 yeah. What's the circuit? Yeah, yeah. You can, just, you can just break it apart. I mean, aluminum, Anybody will come pick up aluminum, sure, free aluminum, sure. <laughs> and um, you take apart the plastic, and then the only thing left is the polyester, which um, Reprieve has options to upcycle that as well. Sure, yeah, you can upcycle that into like Adidas tennis shoes or other tennis shoes and stuff like that, right? The the polyester that comes out. I just the only reason I want to point that out is because there are people out there that just look for reasons to poke holes in certain things, and and there are people that are out there that are upcycling, recycling things. But once they do it into their process, they go, "Oh, we use recycled material," but now that recycled material is you can't do it anymore because they've contaminated or they've done something with it that it can't be separated. And now you've just got this stuff that can't, and it's excellent because you guys are not doing that. It is something that's going in, you're recycling, you're pulling out there, but then you're putting it into a circular plastics economy, right? Well, that, you, that, you try, it's hard. You know, we have people yeah. that reach out and are like, we want to ship it back and we're still a small business. There's only so much mm -hmm. we can do. So it's mm -hmm. ironic you asked that because that's a good, that's a good point because Brenton recently made a video of like, this is how you recycle your chair. Should you want to recycle it? Sure. Um, but you know, that also deep dives into the question of like, if you do anything, you're not doing enough. So that goes back to what you were saying with, you know, Rosie in a previous podcast, which I absolutely loved a UK artist that does, um, I, uh, her artwork is out of ocean plastics. Like it's the little, little changes you can make. Okay. I can do this. Okay. I can do this. And if someone stops you to poke a hole and say, well, I would buy your recycled beach chair, but then I can't recycle it. You're like, okay, so what are you going to buy then? There's yeah. only one other option, which is right. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. You can't. You, if you're waiting to be perfect, you're never going to get anything done. If yeah. all of us, if all of us try it hard and do it uh, uh, halfway perfect, the difference would be huge. And that's what Rosie was saying is too. And I, I echo that sentiment. And obviously, you do too. I agree with you. That is, yeah, that is tremendous stuff. And also, theoretically, the longevity of the chair should speak for itself. I mean, you shouldn't need to. This isn't a product that you're recycling every other day. I mean, you're buying a chair yeah. that's going to stick with you for your lifetime, you know, and hopefully longer. I still yeah, use Yeah, I mean, you know. chairs essentially because of the exposure to the elements and things like that, um, to be frank, is like five to 10 years, right? So like oh, everybody right. has a beach chair about five to 10 years. And when it goes back to, you know, the price point and what the materials are made out of, you can easily spend the value of one chair out to dinner with your friend or oh, yeah. another at the same night. And that's one night. And that takes up how much of, you know, waste and things like that. So, yeah. you know, it's all about what people measure. And the goal is to just educate people that when you have two options 
to look at it as an opportunity to do better and to that everyone can be the change to cleaner tides, right? You little things add up and that's the goal. So let me let me ask you this, uh, Elizabeth, because you're you have a marketing background and you went into the Peace Corps and did marketing in the in the Peace Corps, which shocks me because my my knowledge of the Peace Corps was the old Tom Hanks movie uh, Volunteers, which you guys probably don't remember because it was a long time ago and uh, Shallow Hell. Uh, <laughs> which is like they go there and they're like digging mud pits and making mud houses, I think is Peace Corps. But so it's interesting there's marketing. But like you said, if you have two options, do the right thing, live intentionally, right? And there's studies that say 74% of people, if they have that option and one is recycled or, or is done doing something along the lines of an ESG or, or sustainability type of thing or good for the planet, they're going to buy that over the other one, right? So in marketing, half the battle is getting people to know that, right? So how how can we do a better job? And that's our mission. That's one of the missions that that Emma and I are on is to make that happen, is, is to connect people like yourself with people who want to know it, but they mm -hmm. don't, right? So how, how do we overcome that? What's the best medium to do that? We've, so it's been an arduous journey to um, educate consumers beginning with our Kickstarter campaign. And, and that was really focused on the um, sustainable, but stylish mm -hmm. whole angle, which is, lead with the difference we're making. You know, to date, we've pulled 24,000 pounds of plastic from entering our oceans. Whoa, and, nice. And I, and I did like a quick calculation because I was like, it's football season. So how can I tie this into something cool? So, you know, if you look at a football field, you can essentially have 72 football fields filled with plastic water bottles lined neck to neck. And that would be the amount of plastic we've pulled in just, you know, three seasons. Wait. If you had them lined up, like laid out yeah, on the like, ground, yeah. laid down, right? Like laid down. Standing. Oh, standing. Mm -hmm. Standing up, it would cover the surface of 72 football fields. Correct. Wow. So I That's thought that was, cool. I thought that was interesting and, and topical, but it's also, it's hard to, again, educate people if you just say, you know, 24,000 pounds. They're like, well, what's that? And that goes back to something tangible how many water bottles are in a shirt how many water bottles are in a towel how many water bottles are in our beach pack that attaches to our chair yeah, yeah. Know, that's all made from reprieve fabric as well so everything's recycled and and so anyway we we started like you said with sustainable to stylish and what we realized is people don't listen so we reversed that entry into stylish and sustainable and people started to listen and grow with us and really follow us. And then the learning becomes easier when they look good. And so, you know, that goes leads us to the partnerships and collaborations we've been doing because we're trying to go next level every time on what is going to capture the American consumer. We're only distributing in the U.S. continental mm -hmm. right now, but mm -hmm. what's going to capture them? Something that looks good. Yeah, it is. It's that shiny object. You're absolutely right. So what? So how does that challenge you as a as as a marketer and as a manufacturing? I mean, you're not just a marketer anymore. You are the director of marketing in charge of marketing there, but you're also a co-founder and you're in charge. And obviously, operations is something that you would be concerned with as a co-founder. Obviously, how does how how does that challenge you uh, to make it look good? Because there's a lot of things in a lot of plastics. People say is it cannot be. Um, uh, uh, they cannot be recycled, right? And I, I learned from a packaging guy uh, just the other day that actually pizza 
with pizza boxes with with like cheese and oil and all of it, they're actually recyclable it's just that the recycler doesn't want to handle it because it's gross but they're actually perfectly fine to recycle how, how do you how, how does how does this challenge you as far as the op the like the plastics you can take and the plastics you can send to your manufacturing and that type of stuff is it more difficult to to find those plastics that you can use to look good or unfortunately you have to look i think it does right i mean i think they're, no, they're really, I know. unfortunately no. it's pretty easy to find the plastic um the plastic H hdpe which is what is upcycled so there's various types of recycled plastic so if you look at the chart i don't even know how many different ver types are um of plastic there are to recycle because there are so many and you know the pizza boxes you're, you're exactly right and it's on the lids of all of our garbage cans so it's like this can go in here this can't go in here yeah unfortunately there is enough plastic in the world to make all existing plastic products for the next 500 years and yeah. that's not with creating no new plastic so right there is an abundance out there and we're literally just picking off the uh, uh, scratching the surface i would say oh, yeah. and yeah. there's two types that we use in our products one is hdpe plastics which you would say is your laundry detergent bottles your milk jugs. You would also say are other beach chairs, ironically, um, right. lounge chairs and lawn chairs, anything that that's that type of plastic, that's the hardy plastic that can hold, right? That is thick. And it's also colored. A lot of times it's colored. It's not the clear stuff, right? Which which they which they bleach and um, that's not a, it's not bleaching. I shouldn't say that. And But they do it when you blend all the colors combined, yeah. it's a gray and then you just right. dye it. Um, yeah. So the natural color was on our chairs for two years. And if you, sure. um, and I think there's still some sandbars on the website, which are on sale right now. You can check out at lowtidesop.com. Their armrests are like a She's a marketer. Set. Yeah. <laughs> plug, plug. Yeah. So, and then we, uh, oh. went ahead, we went ahead this year and dyed it a faux wood color and added a oh, cool. wood grain into the mold so that it looks a little bit more upscale, but basically- nice all the plastic becomes like a grayish color and we just change it. Um, yeah. And then you, and then you just dye it. Right. And then, and then yeah, you do that. Again. Right. 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 So and, um, yeah, go ahead. No, I would, no, go, go, I, I, if you got more to explain, I, I love learning about this. So what is the other plastic? You, you explained that's it's the H RPET. Yeah. Yeah. which is what, what is that stuff? So recycled PET is basically your water bottles and that's okay. reprieve. And so that's who we partner with. Um, that can be threaded extremely thin for all oh, the yeah. fabrics you're looking to do, um, which is why all of the cloth that we have, whether it be t-shirts, um, you know, UPF shirts, uh, the beach pack that attaches to our beach chairs or our towels and our um, blanket, that's all made with that type of RPET fibers. Yeah, I'm familiar with I'm familiar with with that actually because at, at North Georgia's 11 miles that way, uh, and that's uh, almost all. I mean, like 85 percent or more of the broadloom carpet uh, in the United States is produced right over there, and they've been using uh, old bottles and reclaiming old bottles for years to remake the 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 yarn. Most of your unless you've got a wool or hand carved wool rug or carpet, it's probably recycled plastic bottles because they've cool. been doing that for a long, long time, which is really cool. It's yeah. really, really cool. So um, let's explain this a little bit more. You guys are not just ocean. It's low tides, but you're not just making products that are for the ocean. You've got bigger plans. What's next? What's on the horizon? Where's, where's this empire going? Yeah. Low Tides Ocean Products is basically out to change your beach essentials to upcycled products. Think about everything that's on a beach 
that's untapped as far as all the virgin plastic that that's out there. So whether it be through our own innovative technologies, which are forthcoming, we have a couple new products down the pike for next year, um, or it's collaborations in the future, we hope we can essentially change the tide to ocean plastics, pulling them from the ocean and then into your beach gear to view a clean ocean and to preserve the ocean for future generations. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I love the mission. Uh, I'm involved with a, a company and so is Emma uh, trying to do this that is, uh, you know, doing the same thing, uh, bringing it, the uh, technology to the United States as, as well, uh, which is really cool stuff. I, I share yeah. in the mission and I hope everybody is going to run out and, and the next time they buy a, a product that you make, they they buy it from you instead of somebody else live with intention and do it. And they get that where at again, Elizabeth? Lowtidesop.com. And you can follow us on Instagram. As you were mentioning earlier, Mike, we do a lot of reels and, and fun posts and that's at Low Tides Ocean. We're also on Facebook, YouTube, and Pinterest for all your beach style needs. That's so cool. <laughs> so here's, here's my question. So as someone who has a beach chair, how much plastic am I saving in that beach chair? Do you have any numbers like of, oh, here's how many water bottles are saved by this or that? Yeah. So, I mean, a, a water bottle is, uh, a pound of water bottles is like 25, right? Or one pound of plastic is 25 water bottles. Okay. So we say with each beach chair, it's up to three pounds of plastic. We have three different styles, the child, the low, and the tall. So that's about 75 water bottles going into each beach chair, not to mention the reprieve fabric, which is an additional 10 right. for the um, meter and a half of reprieve we use. Wow. So to answer your question, about 85 water bottles, more or less, or you wow. would say about four pounds of plastic. That's amazing. That's that's very cool. And then the towels uh, are about twenty four water bottles, I believe. I it's one pound. Yes, yes. Yeah. That thing. is that is very cool. So go buy a chair. Take eighty five bottles. Hey, buy yourself a a, a, a a aluminum water bottle or or metal water bottle, right, or a sustainable one, and stop buying the other stuff. And then go buy one of these chairs, and you you're way ahead of the game. That's all you got to yeah. do. Put you out of business, Elizabeth. But <laughs> no, no I, I don't think there's plenty out there. She's got 500 years before there. she goes out of business. She's yeah, she's yeah. Be, we, yeah. We, we specifically made our cup holders big enough to hold a hydro flask because nice. we found that you know if you focus on that and then then the Yeti, which are really big as well. Yeah. Um, so our cup holders can hold both of that. Our cup holders, you know, speaking of the next generation, we're we're beach people, so. The features that we created are not just, it's not just of ocean plastic. It has modern beach features like a bottle opener, a cell phone holder, um, hooks to hold your beach pack, extra large cup holders, rear pockets, uh, towel hooks, headrests. It, it has everything that you could want. And what the more is, is that it's good for the environment. So cool. cool. I love it. I love it. I love it. So what is the number one thing that a shoe does and or wears that would, uh, uh, you, that, identifies them as a shoebie. Well, I think Emma can say to this better. She's a she's a true local, which she she can throw a stone and hit the water. Mm -hmm. But uh, in, we used in, to call them Bennies, though. I think she Benny's. is more okay. of like a South Jersey Philly thing. Um, it is. But we used to okay. call them Bennies. Um, but Bennies, I think, stands for Brooklyn, Elizabeth, Newark, New York, which is like you're coming <laughs> in from one of these places for a trip to the beach. And I think shoebie yeah. is more of like someone that wears their sneakers on the beach. 
that's yeah, so that's so that's what I would think in the yeah. modern sneaker era. Yeah. However, shoebies first came about um, because people would put their lunches in shoes because they would go all day to the beach because they couldn't go home for the beach, right? So, um, but a, a clear attribute of someone that's a shoebie would be, you know, the sandals with the socks. Um, and sandals then, with the socks. That's I yeah. looked it up because it says it, on your website it talks about shoebies and it just says Google it. So I figured I would. Google it. So yeah, and that was the first one. Black socks with sandals. I'm not a shoebie. Uh, I didn't grow up on the ocean beach, but I grew up on the beaches of Lake Erie. Uh, Beautiful. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I lived in South Florida for about eight years in Naples. So I do understand the ocean and I absolutely love it. So, hey, we're going to talk about something else that's New Jersey. You guys are both New Jersey. Well, you're New Jersey now, Elizabeth. I guess, or you were Delaware before, right? And now you're- I was only at Delaware for uh, four years in college, but I, I love Delaware. Okay. So you cool. were Jersey originally too, like growing up? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I grew up okay. right around. I, my parents still live five minutes from where I am right oh, now. So. Oh, Came very home. cool. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So we talk about ESG and we talk about all that, uh, or not, yeah, ESG, but um, the extended producer's responsibility legislation, right? Like EPR. And I'm sure you're watching that type of stuff very closely as well, uh, Elizabeth, because I would imagine that it's slightly more expensive to do the processes that you're doing than it would be to just get virgin stuff and slap together a chair that's going to pollute the oceans, right? Um, yours, your products are are higher end and they need to be as well to attract people to come in because yeah and, and i'm and i'm thankful that you're doing that because you know you look up uh like music stuff like uh, recycled music gear made from recycled all you find are people who are making like a guitar out of a milk jug i mean <laughs> it's garbage right it's not it's not like good high quality stuff so i'm really glad that you guys are doing that stuff and the more and more people that do that and support it the costs start to come down as well but then there's legislation and sometimes legislation is good and sometimes legislation is bad. And I'm reading this article from Fox News uh, about New Jersey lawmakers considering changing their plastic bag ban uh, because reusable bags are becoming a problem. Did you guys read this? Have you seen this thing? I have. Um, you know, I, I saw it this morning and I think that goes into exactly what this entire thing is about is, is education to the consumer and understanding. As mentioned, I lived in Peru, uh, you know, for two and a half years and they had market bags and no one had more than three or four and they just were in their house and they just used them. And I, and I've, um, since coming home and, and being a part of this mission and just in general, I, I really don't have any plastic bags in my house anyway. Um, my whole life has kind of really changed um, over the past 15 years. And I would say that I think you need to rethink it and educate people because I've already done that myself, you know, before the ban on how to remember to bring your bags and put some in your trunk and that kind of thing. And I also think there's a lot of opportunities where everyone that has these bags to the point of low tides can upcycle them. And how can we upcycle them is you give them to an organization that needs to use it. I don't know what you guys do with your towels at home when you're finished with them, but you can take them to an animal shelter. They're in need of towels all the time. You and can. Is, you yeah. can. And, and I'll give you, there's a, and I'll look it up. Keep going. I, I got something I'm going to tell you. No, and, and so it's the same thing with the, um, everyone has the reusable bags and it's like, well, I keep getting food delivery, so I keep having these bags. The people that actually need them are food pantries. They needed plastic bags to hand out to everybody that came to collect from the pantry. Well, now there's no more plastic bags, so 
those bags would be an awesome opportunity yeah. to give to the food pantries. And that creates a sustainable cycle of those people unloading the groceries then bringing them back the next week, getting new groceries. Yeah. So, well, I think it's a cultural change as well. I mean, you kind of alluded to this, but it's a cultural and it's, it's a decision that you make. You are saying to yourself, okay, I'm going to commit to using these bags or here's the whole thing that I started doing. Cause I was like, Oh, don't forget your reusables. Don't forget your reusables. And then I was like, okay, if I'm going shopping at the grocery store for just a couple of things, instead of me buying the $1 bag that they sell at the grocery store, why don't I just put it in my purse after I've paid for it? Why don't I just <laughs> carry it in my arms to the car? Like, like there are little things that you can do. Like no one's forcing you to buy a bag when you go to the grocery store. You right. either have to force yourself to, after you bring in the groceries, I put the bag back in my car so I always have it next time I go. Or alternatively, like, you don't always need a bag. I mean, living living in the city, I see people in the grocery store and they have a bag for one apple. And I'm like, you really need a handle for an apple? You can basically put it in your yeah, pocket. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I do most of my, I don't know if you guys have Ollie's around where you guys are, but we have Ollie's, uh, Aldi's here, Aldi's, sorry. And yep. I go to Aldi's and I just, I just, I put it in my back seat and I carry it in. <laughs> I just don't use a bag at all, right? Uh, but no, when you were talking about what you do with your towels, it reminded me, I, talk, I was talking to a guy the other day uh, who is a supporter of a company, and I'll get this, Green Education Foundation. They're out of Boston, Mass. Green Education Foundation. And what they're doing is they have little units where they collect um, clothing, used clothing, just like you would give to like the, um, uh, you know, Goodwill and such. Uh, but what they do is they they take it through its different levels. And when, you know, that clothing right now, it goes through its different levels and winds up in, in uh, uh, third world countries. And and then from there, it just gets thrown out and is then breaking down and polluting our oceans and waters and everything else, right? Uh, because of the polyesters and everything in it. What they do is it goes down to that level, but they are supporting through their funds the reclamation of those uh those in the third world countries and they're turning it into uh insulation and other products so check those guys out they're growing and they're and they're doing a good good thing uh from a slightly different angle that people don't think about they think about water bottles but they don't think about clothing being plastic and fast fa fast fashion is one of the biggest things that's happening but in this bill i thought it was the humorous part about this bill is that it was home delivery of groceries and food uh, during the pandemic that caused people to go, what am I going to do with these millions of bags that I can't get rid of? Because the, 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 the providers of that service were, were, they were, they took the law to mean they couldn't use a plastic bag or anything to take it to the people's homes. And they, and by law, they can't take the reusable bag back and give food to somebody else because it's not sanitary. And that's the unintended consequence, which is just, it's crazy. I mean, Emma, I don't know, Elizabeth, you were listening to our podcast before, and I encourage everybody to go back just because they're so incredibly awesome. But uh, we we talked about the fact that, uh, you know, there's there's um, there's fights about legislation to try and ban single-use plastics because of this type of stuff. Just saying, hey, wait a minute. We need to figure out what we're going to do instead of these before we just say you can't use any because some of the alternatives are far worse than a plastics, right? Yeah, I mean, the supply chain, whether you're talking about recycling um, and, and the macro scale to um, legislation for the plastic bag ban, that should have been forethought. Okay, if we're doing home deliveries, how are we doing this? And also thinking like, okay, it's not sanitary, but yet everyone did donate their plastic bags to food pantries anyway. So, you know, and 
and they don't have bins outside to bring them back. So those people that get their stuff delivered get in their car eventually. And yes, I know certain people don't, but 99% do. They can go stop and drop it off somewhere at a location and the store has to take on responsibility to ensure it is clean and sanitary and or donating to food pantries. There's a lot you can do, you know, Recycling isn't new. It's just the technology in America that we have to um, rethink. I've spoken to a lot of different organizations uh, through the past couple of years. And also a lot of companies, if you check out our blog on lowtidesop.com, there's mm-hmm. a bunch of different companies that we highlight. Um, we did a lot of, during COVID, um, Instagram live interviews of companies that are similar to ours using mm-hmm. upcycled plastics. But it's all about like Germany is able to fully recycle within its own nation, 56%. Austria, yeah. same thing, 53%. Yeah. South Korea, 51%. Like there, we only, we just have to, for, we just have to forethink it. I think a little more to your point, um, Mike, yeah. and we be yeah. able to create a sustainable cycle with apparently New Jersey bags, of course. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, mean- I think that the enemy is the lack of infrastructure that allows us to use these things. I mean, yeah. there are people with disabilities who can't go to the grocery store that need grocery delivery or food delivery. There are people who, you know, might have issues with sanitation, but if we had the forethought and we thought these things through and we're like, okay, well, here's the issues that are going to arise. Let's make a plan before these issues arise. And we have to backpedal and then lose respect of the people who, you know, we're supposed to be protecting and, and representing. I mean, there has to be some sort of, there's so many smart people out there doing such cool things. There has to be some sort of, here's our plan from the moment this thing is thought of to the time that it is disposed of. And unfortunately, like, it's not, it's the instant gratification and there's no like real forethought, both on the consumer, I think, and on legislation. In, in my no, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. But I mean, there's, there's, there's changes and there's societal changes and there's, there's human behavior. We've, we've discussed that before the changes in human psychology and human behavior that has to happen for us to, and they're happening slowly. They're happening slowly, right? There's, there's a huge generation that I'm just on the butt end of the baby boomers. I'm not even quite there. I'm kind of like in that, that are, that are going away and they grew up without the transparency and the ability to learn and know all these things like instantly, like you have, like you have today, you know, I, you know, I don't, I didn't walk to school uphill in the snow both ways or anything like that. I was but just there, making but that. Were, yeah. But there were, but there were, but they're literally, I mean, it's an I guess eight, that transpired from uh, Jersey all the way to Tennessee and Florida, huh? That's a, that's well, universal. I, I, yeah. Well, I grew up in a snow bell in Cleveland. So I actually did, I did actually in Cleveland, Ohio, and I actually did walk uphill both ways in the snow. <laughs> Uh, and I couldn't wear my shoes because we can only afford one pair a year and yes. I couldn't get snow. <laughs> no, but, I, I, I totally, I totally. But the point, is, the point is there's only three channels, man. It was it. And they turned off at 1130 at night. The The dissemination of information and being able to do was, was not there. The ignorance was huge. Whatever that, those three channels told you, that was, that was reality. I didn't yeah. know what Elizabeth was doing. I had no idea what Emma was doing. Now I, on my phone, I've got access to everybody on the planet instantly and in knowing what's going on. It's one of the reasons this Ukraine-Russia war became so unpopular so fast with everybody is because reality is there. It's not what the news networks tell you. It's, it's, it's right here. And that's, that's where this information gets you. You talked about it. I mean, you're on, yeah. you're on Instagram, you're on TikTok, you're on, on all these things. That's where you get your information and that's where you market, right? 
Yeah. And, and I would agree to the point about marketing. You know, I think something you said in the beginning of the podcast about large corporations and knee-jerk reactions and things like that. I was just being educated through a recent podcast about plastic water bottles. Um, uh, this past week I was listening. And what's interesting is in the 80s, corporations did a magnificent job of campaigning. I don't know if either of you remember this, but the campaign litter bug. It was a bug, oh, yeah. that had a bunch of trash. So yeah. that pigeonholing the consumer as the fault for not right. recycling property. And, and, and there was a native, they used to have a native, a native American sitting by the side of the road and people drive by and throw trash at his feet and he would cry. And it was, and, it was blaming us. It was blaming. Yeah. And, yeah it, go ahead. and that was done by corporations with the assistance of, you know, government. So that way we would take onus up from their litter. So, you know, the big corporations that were producing just massive amounts of virgin plastics and dumping it into our stores, we would then take the culpability that there's trash on the ground or this wasn't recycled properly. So that's actually shifting and changing. And, you know, as a marketing person, kudos to those corporations for doing that and, and significantly meant like altering our vision of who's responsible for recycling, but that's absolutely. And yes, so now they're saying, you know, to exactly what you asked me earlier, how do you make these beach chairs full circle? Can you screw it apart and recycle the parts? That's not the question that's getting asked these major corporations. It's just started to, and now they're starting to take up more ownership, which is great for us because I do think, you know, instead of striking ourselves on the back about what we're not doing, you should constantly look at the little things you are changing and doing as bettering yourselves and bettering the environment and also pushing back the ownership to the corporations producing this, to the companies producing this, to make it better for yourself and your kids. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you 100. It, it is. It's got to be there. And there's there's good efforts and there's bad efforts, right? I've I've had I had one person on. Well, uh, uh, Bonnie Monteleone, the uh, uh, executive director she over was great. At, at, at Pop, she was awesome. awesome. She mm -hmm. asked she asked me a question. I'll tell you guys off air what the question was, but she asked me a question if I was, if we were affiliated with these people and she would not come on if we were, uh, we're not. Um, but I'll tell you guys off air. Cause it's, 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 it's very interesting. You'd be like, Ooh. wow, that, that's kind of interesting. Drama, um, steamy. But <laughs> my question to you, Elizabeth is what is your, what is your opinion of two different things? First, the EPR, uh, uh, those that legislation and, and why we're so far behind. Is it good that we're far behind because we have a tendency to make stupid laws that that hurt more than they help sometimes? Or is it bad because we need to be moving forward and doing the best thing that we can? That, that's my first question. We need to be moving forward. It's always, always, you know, one foot in front of the other. You can't, you're, you shouldn't be really moving backward at this point. It's not, it's only going to get worse. Um, yeah. So while I can lament that the forethought wasn't put in properly to these large organizations, it goes back to that exact article blaming the people that are ordering the food. Yeah, right? <laughs> right, right. And their that, fault is they have 500 bags in their basement that they can't get rid of. That's their problem. Right. And it's their problem, which is what we should be saying. This is not my problem. This is you. You know, I don't want to name drop grocery stores that won't talk to me anymore. So I'm not going to say the names, but they have to come out with a system that if they're in the state and they're doing business and making millions upon billions of dollars, that they have to come out with a more cyclical approach to their shopping. You know, BJ's and Costco, now I just named some, actually use boxes, right? They, mm -hmm. you know, you 
that's right. And boxes. So, and that gets recycled into cardboard. Now, I'm not saying that's essentially better, but a knee-jerk reaction to pull those things back, I don't think changes anything. It just absolves people uh, right. or corporations of guilt, which yeah. I, yeah. which I, I'm against. Um, you know, I'm, I'm asking them to do more and take ownership. Right. They should be thinking, okay, well, here's a problem. How do we solve this new problem? Instead of being like, well, we tried, like, oh, well, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, Let's get a marketing department together and blame it on somebody else and convince them. Yeah, exactly. It's like like Hegelian dialect if you're, if you, you know, from World War War II. Hegelian, you know, if you're familiar with that. It was basically if you say something long enough, it becomes true. And yeah, you, you it's just, like uh, they're gonna do the bag. The, they're gonna do the bag lady in cartoons, and it's be like too many bags. We need to ban these. Yeah, <laughs> plastic yeah. Plastic bag. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the other one. The other one is is is, is um, the rampant. See me. I mean, it's not rampant, but it seems to be. But uh, just uh, green greenwashing lawsuits and uh, and its effect on people who are trying to do the right thing. But maybe they're not because I'd like to hear your. Yeah, I have my own opinion. I don't want to sway yours, and I, not that you're a weak person, and I could, but I'd rather hear your yours first. What your I think my I think my opinion of this comes stems directly from working in the food industry uh, with the regulations that there were and what you could put on your materials. Turns out, all natural, you can put on anything. Literally yeah. anything. There's no regulation behind. So keep that in mind when I give my opinion about greenwashing. You can say what you want, um, but at some point, someone's going to make you back it up, whether it be a consumer writing in, whether you're on a podcast and you say something wrong, whether you're, um, you know, you you, sh- you strike it on some TV show and someone cuts you down or you're in an interview. So to that point, I think um, you can get away with a lot. Mm-hmm. One of Brenton's biggest things in doing low tides was going to the communities, going to the facility to make sure everything was as it said it was doing. So nothing got greenwashed. We have certifications from our suppliers that literally say, you pulled this. This is this is your guaranteed impact metrics report for the recent purchase order. And we have yep. that for reprieve and whatnot. So we and we have people reach out for that and ask. Sure they do. Questions. Sure they do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do I, how do I think that affects other people that are dipping their toes in and maybe exaggerating? Um, you know, I'd rather have them exaggerate on how much they recycle than not recycling at all. Yeah. See or, that, I, like, yeah. I'm with you. I, 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 I don't, yeah. It's better than nothing. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying that they should lie or, or misconstrue it, but I definitely, you know, if you're if you're doing enough research and someone says this is a recycled uh, bathing suit, if this is a um, you know this is made out of recycled product or whatever, you should have some credibility looked into it to make sure you're well, correct. Be prepared for someone to say, "All right, put your money where your mouth is. Let's go." Like, what are exactly. you? What are you actually doing? I mean, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but a lot of that. Co- but I, and I agree with that. I don't disagree with what you're saying, but it's the ability to. To and it's a whole other conversation. Be prepared to defend yourself, but the the other end of it is that you don't get to you, if you prove yourself right, you don't get to recoup those costs of proving yourself right. So you're, you're screwed either way, even if you are. I, I I I don't like the ones that are obviously trying to just get money. 
right? And they're they're borderline uh, baloney, right? I mean, I, I think it was Coke that got in trouble because they put green on one of their labels uh, because it was it was uh, like a, a natural sweetener, and they said, well, that means it's green and you can recycle it better and stuff. And they got sued. They lost like twelve million dollars. It wasn't a big amount, but still, it's like, come on, man. I don't think low tide's going to be real happy about getting sued for $12 million. That would not no, be cool. No, and you find that in the bigger ones. You find that yeah. greenwashing is a bigger brand, but I do think it makes people hesitant to go into recycled products or to that's, believe- That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that, that we could yeah. be doing more yeah. poorly, which would be a huge improvement, but people are going to go, well, hell, if I try and I screw something up uh, uh, ignorantly, uh, yeah. you know, not I'm not doing anything nefarious. I, I, I have to defend myself and I can't afford that. So how many companies are out there just not doing anything because they don't have to yet? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It, it, listen. It, They're not going to do it if they don't have to because of the, the, the legality dangers are, are too high, right? Exactly. And I, and I think, you know, the, the part of me that I always try to say is that, no, they shouldn't be doing this as a small business. That's blood, sweat, and tears. You know, a lot of investment whether it's time, money, um, making mistakes and correcting them. This has taken my heart and soul, as well as my brothers, I know, um, into building this company. And so when you see people like Coke putting green on something, it reminds me of when, you know, whoever we worked with would put all natural on something else, you know, like, well, this won't harm anybody. And in reality, it, it is. creates again, an education problem with our consumers that discredit Coke. So who is this low tides? How could they be anybody? And how could they do all this? It's so that's right. why and we're then a distrust of the people that are actually doing what's right. Because yeah. if anybody can greenwash, then everybody might. So I, and agree. I, I don't disagree. Time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's why I always say, like, you can go on our website, you can check our transparency, www.lowtidesop.com. We try to make sure that everybody feels good when they're saving the ocean and knows that we're doing the best we can to make a difference for future generations. I love it. Let's just end right there. This is